to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, we will be reading verses 1 through 6. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages, teaching. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Rejection is something that most people try to avoid. Most people want to be loved or at least liked by their family and friends. This is a natural sentiment. No one purposely seeks to be rejected, or at least most people. But there comes a time when rejection is inevitable. There comes a time when we must choose between speaking the truth, specifically the truth of the gospel, and be rejected or be quiet and be loved. In our text this morning, we see a gradual movement toward the rejection of Jesus Christ. We see first the astonishment, the questioning, the offense, and then the rejection. We see these steps of rejection. Now the difference between this and the other times Jesus has been rejection, rejected is that the reason he is rejected is more than just about what he says or does. It is about who he is. Well, who is he? We know in theology and in Christian orthodoxy that he is the God-man. He is both God and man in one person. But Mark wants to emphasize the fact that he is indeed a man. He is a man with a family. He has a mother and brothers and sisters. He is a man who is known by his community. He has a background in a specific trade. He lived an ordinary life just like any one of us. He is a familiar face in his hometown and that is key to know why he is rejected. So at this time, it is time to go back to his hometown. He leaves Capernaum and he heads toward Nazareth which is 25 miles away, up in the hills. And he is followed by his disciples. Nazareth was about 60 acres of land. So it was 
a small town with small town people, as many of you may be familiar with. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. He would have been invited by the local rabbi, so again, he was already known as a teacher. And it says that many who heard him were astonished. Now, this astonishment could have been negative or positive. So far, there has been a divided response to his message. Uh, Some favored him and others didn't. So this could have been a mixed reaction of shock from either a good or a bad place. We're not sure if it was all well received or not. And Mark doesn't mention what he was teaching. Whatever it was, it didn't matter to Mark. He is focused only on their response to Jesus. If we go to Luke and consider Luke's account, which is believed to be an earlier account, or earlier account of Jesus going to Nazareth, so by this time he has been there more than once. At that time he was teaching that the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled in their hearing, which means the Messiah has come. That was his teaching. He was preaching liberty to the captives. If you yourself was a captive of Rome, as they were, you would receive this message pretty well. So they welcomed his teaching. They were amazed at his gracious words at first. But then, he continued to teach. I want to emphasize this because most people say they follow Jesus only for the good things he has to say. They follow him only for what makes them feel good. Many are familiar with Jesus at first as they hear about his gracious words. But as soon as he begins to teach some hard teachings, there is astonishment. There is shock. And it is not a response of acceptance like, wow, he is a great teacher. But it becomes one of shock. Like, whoa, did he just say that? Did he just say that I... The all-knowing, righteous, religious person that I need to repent? Did he just imply that I need to be saved? Not from Rome, not from other people, but saved from the wrath of God? God is on my side. Wait a minute, I know my Bible. I've been raised to memorize every word of it. I know about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, Moses, and all of the faithful prophets. Now this 30-something-year-old man wants to tell me that I may be in the wrong with God. This is not exactly, this is more of a paraphrase, But this is similar to what was going on in their minds and on their lips because this kind of shock leads to questioning. 
to doubting his authority. How, how do they begin to question him? First, they begin to, by questioning the source of his teaching. Where did this man get these things? And that is a dangerous place to be because this is how the scribes began to reason when they said that he was possessed by a demon and working for Satan himself, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, committing the unforgivable sin. Then secondly, they questioned the wisdom of his teaching. What is this wisdom given to him? It doesn't sound like wisdom to me. This goes against what has been taught to us by the faithful rabbis throughout the centuries of Israel's history. Our Messiah is coming to destroy our enemies. But this guy is making it sound like we're the enemies. He's predicting that his own people will turn on him. Thirdly, they question his divine works. They questioned his healings and casting out demons in Capernaum that they may have heard through rumor or gossip. How are such mighty works done by his hands? Notice how it is gradual. Notice how it is gradual. Notice also, this is a, a similar reaction we receive from the world. And if we are not careful, we can be sitting here and listening to his words and begin to question Jesus in the same way. Going in the wrong direction. There is such thing as healthy questioning. That leads to faithful obedience or to more faith in him. But then there is a questioning that leads to offense. It begins with a shock. With amazement at what he has said. Today, you usually have two types of churches, don't you? You have two types of churches. You have churches that go into extremes with uh, either the preaching or the teaching. There are churches that are more burdensome than liberating. You walk in through the doors and you just feel the burden. You feel the burden of your sin and it, and it is not a respite. It, it is not a refuge for your soul uh, in the New Horizons, uh, I want to do this little drop. In the New Horizons, uh, there is an article of J. Gresson Machen and how he spoke of the church as a respite for our souls, a, a refuge that we can go to to find comfort. There are many churches who forget to preach, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. But unfortunately, more times than not, there are churches that are seeking success in numbers, seeking to only please their listeners, that only preach about the good things that Jesus has said, such as love, mercy, forgiveness, the golden rule, etc. But they never preach the hard sayings of Jesus. So in turn, the, the people are not given the whole truth. But as soon as you begin to unfold... That Jesus not only preached the good things about love and mercy. He also preached the hard things to hear. About hell and condemnation for sin. The first reaction from the world when this truth is revealed to them. Is that they are shocked. They are amazed. They are astonished at his 
teaching. I've heard people say, I didn't know Jesus said that. No way. He would never teach that. He, he would affirm me and my lifestyle. But after the truth is revealed to us, this astonishment leads to questioning. Where did he get these things? Does he think he is God? What is the wisdom that is given to him? Is it really wisdom? Unfortunately, most people are trapped by the wisdom of the world, the flesh, and the devil. They want to learn and do the things they feel is right, or the things that Satan has taught them, or the things that the world has taught them is right. We can be trapped in that as well, even in the church. There have been many influencers that have been trying to influence our thinking lately. Whether they are politicians, peers, on social media, celebrities, the media itself, etc. The list goes on and on. They have all been trying to influence our decision making. And they all have a religious opinion of some sort. They may even use Jesus' name in vain. So they can gain your attention. So they can mislead you into their own campaign. They may even appeal to Christians and God. All in vain to grab your attention. But are we listening to the teaching of Jesus? What he has taught us. But we so easily follow what the world is trying to teach us. But as soon as we get down to what Jesus has said is the way, we are challenged. We are challenged to follow him. We are in shock. We begin to question it. We look for those passages in the Bible that uphold our own opinions. That may be inconsistent in other places, right? We look for those passages in the Bible that don't challenge our lifestyle and our own way of thinking. Trying to ignore Jesus as he is speaking to our situation with divine wisdom. This is the condition of these listeners and it is the condition of most of us today. Then this leads to questioning his divine power. All because he challenged me with his wisdom. I cannot accept his divine power and work. We see this manifested in a lot of ways in the world. There are a lot of smart people. Scientists, professors, politicians, people in high places. Working, working their hardest to disprove Jesus and his divine work. All because of what? He challenges them in their sin. He challenges us in our sin. And at the root, people do not have a problem with Jesus or with God if he just left them alone to live their lives. The problem people have with Jesus is that he was teaching. The problem they have with Jesus is that he was teaching. And his teaching challenges us. 
And if he wasn't there teaching, they probably would have believed, oh, God was doing a mighty work in Jesus if he only kept his mouth closed. If Jesus didn't challenge atheists in their sin, they probably would live as believers in a God. Oh, yeah, that's fine. There's probably a God. But because... There is conviction of sin. There is a challenge. They release all these books and they defend their atheism so strongly because there is a challenge in Jesus Christ. God's holy presence in Jesus challenges sin. And there was a reaction to the conviction they were feeling after they heard his teaching in that synagogue. There is always a reaction to his teaching. What was their reaction? Where does this shock or amazement lead? They questioned the source of his teaching, the wisdom that he possessed, the works that he has done. Now they question who he is. They question who he is. He is just a man. We know this guy. They say he's done mighty works with his hands. We know he does other works with his hands. Is not this the carpenter? He's not a teacher. Jesus was known by them, so they couldn't, be, they couldn't take being taught by him. He was known. He was familiar. He was known in his community, and he was known for his trade. Tradition even has it that he was uh, possibly a stonemason, So him and his father most likely worked on the city that belonged to Herod Antipas, just north of Nazareth. So Jesus wasn't of low birth, but he also wasn't of very noble birth either. Uh, So he wasn't all that special to them. They even questioned whether or not he was a legitimate child. They asked, is not this the son of Mary? Note, they don't mention Joseph. Uh, Joseph was believed to be dead at at this point, but not mentioning Joseph is another way of saying, who knows if that was even his father? So they were insulting him. And they mentioned that he has four brothers, James, the writer of the letter of James, Joseph, Judas, believed to be Jude, who wrote the letter of the same name, and Simon. And he has sisters as well who were with him in the synagogue listening to him. So here they're questioning who he was because they knew him. They were familiar with him. They didn't know all about him. It seems they didn't know about his origin and his miraculous virgin birth. But they were familiar with him, his family. And Joseph, who was from Nazareth, after Joseph died, Jesus would have taken over his stepfather's business of carpentry, as was the custom. So they knew he was a carpenter as well. And they thought they knew all about Jesus with this little bit of information here. They thought he was unimportant. And for him to be teaching the way he was, was shocking. That is the human condition, isn't it? 
We think we know what we know. That even if the Lord himself was to challenge us, we would reject it because we think we know what we know. And that is final. Pride. Pride was at work in the, in the synagogue. Pride was showing up strongly. They were trying to size up this teacher, as, as do we, when we can't accept the word from God. They try to size him up. Instead of listening to the word of God as it is being taught by Jesus, they were busy trying to figure him out. They weren't trying to figure him out so they can trust in him and follow him. They were trying to figure him out so they can have an excuse to not follow him. Isn't that what we do? All too often, we hear of a teaching from the Word of God, and we try to find every way out of it. Yeah, but over here it says this, so I'm just going to go with this. And there's always an explanation for that. There's always a context. Or have you ever run into someone who does that? Right? When you present a challenge that comes from Jesus, they try to talk their way out of it and try to prove that Jesus was probably just some regular Jewish guy who lived 2,000 years ago, who preached about love, how we all need to love each other. He was kind of a hippie. And by the way, do you know that he was married to Mary? Right? And had children, right? This is the Da Vinci Code, as that is historically reliable. Not knowing that that has been disproven by scientists who study parchments. Um, but we won't get into that. But at the root, what they are doing in these conversations is trying to distract from the truth claims that Jesus made about who he is, what he is about to do for sinners, and what he calls us to do in light of that. These people in the synagogue were seeking to distract themselves from the truth as Jesus was teaching. This is the human condition. We're blind to the truth of God. And we blind ourselves to the truth of God. We do not like the confrontation. This is how wicked we truly are. Naturally, we want to challenge Jesus and who he is. And we want to change the subject when it comes to Jesus. They were blinded by Satan. And they blinded themselves. And they loved it. They didn't want to be challenged. And that is why. That is why. It can only be a divine work in the hearts of unbelievers. That can lift those blinders. From their eyes. Once Jesus challenges the sinner, there can only be one of two responses. And there is always a response. Always. There is always a response. If the Holy Spirit is at work in the person's heart, there will be a response of faith. But here, what was their response? It says, and they took offense at him. They may have received his Gracious words at first, as we see in Luke's account, 
But he continued to teach. And they got offended. This happens with most people. People will get offended by Jesus at some point. It is inevitable. Who wouldn't? In Luke's account, after a gracious response from his listeners, he turns it around on them. They responded graciously, yet he turns it around on them and says, you're not going to receive my teaching. He tells this story, and I'm paraphrasing. Remember Elijah and Elisha. They were both sent to heal. Not you, not the people of God, not Israel, but two Gentiles. That's offensive. That's offensive. He, in another way, he was saying, you're not going to receive my, my words. You're not going to receive them. So I'm going to heal others. I'm going to save others. He was saying so-called Israel, physical Israel, would reject their God. That would offend anyone. That would offend me if I was there. But this was a hard teaching for them to understand, especially when so much of Jesus' teaching strikes at the pride of man. We witness this sort of rebellion every day, both in ourselves and in the world. But a lesson for us from that account is that being labeled the people of God is not enough. All of them in that synagogue would have been labeled the people of God and they would have prided themselves on that label. But the question is, are you listening to what your master says as he has spoken in the word of God? The entire word of God. Not just what we think is nice or what agrees with what our opinions are regarding the world and what is going on. Not just what is positive. So what does Jesus conclude after observing that he is not accepted by those who claim to know God, that, who claim to know him personally? And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. They were all familiar with Jesus. But human nature tends to undervalue that which we are familiar with. Isn't it our own families or closest friends that do not take us seriously when we try to warn them or say something or say anything? It often takes someone from outside to get their attention. Because when you cross the line, it's like that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. It is not usually the stranger who rejects the gospel, though they do. It is usually from your own house, household or hometown. If you've ever experienced this, then you can relate. If you have family and friends that you have tried to reach out to and share the gospel of Christ, in all seriousness, they are the first to reject you. Not that you'll never be rejected by strangers, and not that they are rejecting you personally, don't take it personal, but they are truly rejecting Jesus Christ. Here, 
His own people are rejecting him as the prophecy is fulfilled. He was despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. They knew Jesus. They lived around him for 30 plus years and they knew that he was blameless. He was a carpenter so they knew his work. They thought they had him figured out. And that is a comfortable place for people to be in. When they thought they had Jesus figured out, they were comfortable. They were comfortable in their sin. They didn't expect him to come and teach like he did. Think of when you were converted or if you have matured in your walk over the years How many of your family or friends were shocked or sometimes even offended by you, by your presence. You didn't even need to say anything. They were offended by you because they thought they knew you. They were comfortable when they knew the old you. They knew all of your sins. They may have even had a part in your sins. They probably even encouraged you to sin. And when you were enjoying your sin against God, they were comfortable because they thought they knew you. Now, that there is something different about you, they are no longer comfortable in themselves around you. They are in shock. They are offended. And in the end, they're rejecting you, but really they are are rejecting Jesus Christ. I want to reassure you that your Lord drank from the same cup. Actually, this is the cup that he calls us to drink from. And this is what is happening here. But the difference is, Jesus is without sin. He is without cause for rejection, unlike us. He is God incarnate. And they prided themselves in what they thought they knew about him. But in the end, they knew nothing at all. They didn't know much at all. They didn't know that he was indeed the Messiah, the son of David, the son of God, here to save them from their sins and from our sins. He was trying to reveal this to them, but they rejected him. I hope we are listening because his teaching is all about saving you from your sins And the consequences. So I plead with you. Do not reject him. Many people are familiar with their Bibles. And they think they don't need to learn from it anymore. They they don't allow his word to teach them the way they should go. Because they've heard it all before. We ought to be careful. Because we we could be going in this direction. And inevitably reject him. The true Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because what does Jesus do when they reject Him? He withheld His grace from them. Notice, He withheld His grace from them. He withheld His power from them. When people reject Jesus, He doesn't share His new life with them. In a way, it's like God handing them over for their sin. Jesus keeps it moving. It says, and he couldn't do no mighty work there, 
except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. It's not that he didn't have the power to do mighty works there. It was because they rejected him and they lacked faith in him. He could have done a mighty work in their presence, but for what? For what? He knew, even if they witnessed someone being raised from the dead, that they still wouldn't believe. Why waste his time and do a mighty work there? This reminds us that he will only shine his light for so long before he withdraws his grace. There will only be so much preaching, so much teaching, before we meet our Savior and Judge. For Jesus to walk away from that synagogue and keep it moving, to keep doing what he came to do, notice, somewhere else, was a sign of judgment for them. And after this, in the letter of Mark, he doesn't come back to Nazareth. He doesn't come back. So for Jesus, what does he conclude about them? Well, it was a symptom of something. This rejection that he faces is a symptom of a deeper issue than just rejecting a family member's or friend's advice. Mark again emphasizes his human nature and says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because who in their right mind would reject the message of eternal salvation. Only those who have had their hearts hardened and blinded by the God of this world. He concluded, it is unbelief. Unbelief. It is a lack of faith. And this unbelief leads to hell. As Jesus at the end of the letter says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. We could be so tied to this world that we may be counted among this group that would reject Jesus and his teaching, his clear teaching. Let us be careful and examine whether or not we believe both the grace and the warnings of Jesus. Because he keeps it moving. He keeps it moving. He withdraws his grace and leaves there and went about among the villages teaching. The other villages teaching. He keeps it moving. So here Jesus gives us a pattern to look for when someone is rejecting him. There is shock at his teaching. There is questioning who he is. There is being offended by his teaching. And then finally, there is rejection and unbelief. So we should ask ourselves, where are we in this crowd? Where are we? Are we among this group who rejected Jesus? Is there shock when we come across those Passages and those words of Jesus or who he says he is? Are you offended by him? 
Are you offended by his presence? Was it, what is it about him that offends you? If you are offended by his teaching, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe you should listen up and turn to him. Maybe he is telling you something from his word that you need to hear. Or are you one of those who think that you know all that there is to know about Jesus, that you don't need correction or the need to be challenged? Where are you with your pride? Can you receive what Jesus has said in his holy word? Or are you saying to yourself, well, I I know all that stuff. I've been a Christian for so long. I've matured in my walk. Who are you, a 30-something-year-old, to tell me that there's more to know? I got this down. I grew up hearing all of this. My dad was a preacher. Or he was an elder. The question is, have you exposed yourself to it? in humility and let it expose you to its light that is the light of the word of God there's always something new to learn about ourselves and to learn about Jesus from the word of God always something new let us not turn from it have you sat humbly under the word and allow it to teach you Have you sat humbly under the preaching of the word and allowed to teach you? Because it's not just a me and my Jesus thing. Have you heard the preaching and received it? Or are you hardening yourself against it? I urge you to ask the Lord to increase your faith because unbelief is always there in all of us, including myself. It is always there. It is always there to creep up. So we ask the Lord to increase our faith in light of that unbelief. Or, have you been rejected because of Jesus? Have you been rejected because of Jesus? Maybe because of your own family, your friends, the community. There is great comfort in knowing Jesus and knowing that all of your sins have been paid for. If you are not ashamed of Him, He will not be ashamed of you. He will comfort you in the midst of rejection. Amen.